The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Live statewide on the Ref Radio Sports Network, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Hit the guys up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439 or sound off on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. It is NASCAR's decision as to where those two cars were when the button was pushed to activate the caution, and Ricky Stenhouse has won the Daytona 500. Game time from the hash. Hits it! Damian Lillard, the game-winning three. Team Giannis with the win. His partner is game time, pointing to the wristwatch, the imaginary wristwatch. Two seconds to go, puts up a jumper left of the foul line, no good. Short, rebounded by Liz Scott, and the Sooners get the win. Oklahoma defeats Kansas 86-80, to and the Sooners, for the moment, move into first place by themselves in the Big 12 standings at 12-3. and Inbounds, here comes Hill, down the floor, four seconds, three, carried the ball, got away with it, two seconds, one, shot put up, no good! Longhorns win! Godwin missed it in the lane! The Longhorns survive in overtime, 85-83. Holy mackerel! Toby and TJ back with you. Hour 2, T-Row in the Morning Show, Monday, February 20. Happy President's Day, everyone. Okay, Teach, we heard from Porter last hour. Let's talk about the game. Give me, uh, give me what I'm supposed to think about this. Saturday game, Texas wins. What were you supposed to think about it? I thought they played well. Unfortunately, you go on the drought that they go on at times in games at the wrong time. They were up in that game, looked like they were going to get a road win and then go on the six, seven-minute drought, whatever it was, late in that game. And luckily, um, Sherfield's able to hit that three to force the overtime. So, score. <laughs> yeah, that's it's as simple as that. Score in overtime, don't go on a six-minute drought, and you win that game on the road. All right. I thought they played well, though. I thought Jalen... Uh, Uzan, uh, I thought several of them played well throughout the day. Um, just lost on the road to a better team is what I thought. I'm not like uh, overly outraged by anything. The flop, last... I guess the flop, but two games to Texas by a total of three points. Yeah, and and like I said, they should have won Saturday. You should have closed that thing out in regulation. Should have maintained that lead and and. Got that win on the road. They play well enough up to that point to do that. Too many. Um, oh, well, I hate starting with just pointing fingers at our guys. I know that's the easy thing to do, but give Texas some credit. The uh, Sir Jabari was clutch. He was that second. If half, he doesn't yeah. have a great game, Oklahoma wins easily mm-hmm. because they did a good job on their on their other guys, but. You got to stay down on the pump fake on him. And when you do, that means he gets the three point shot off. And he's not a great three point shooter, 
but he had a great day. I'm not sure he hit the rim on any of his makes. Four for six from three and 24 points. And like Porter said, when OU was ahead, he hit some big shots to get him back in it. When it was close, uh, OU jumped in front in overtime, and Rice hit a three or two to give them the lead. He was the best player on the court. And Grant Sherfield had a really good day, but Sir Jabari Rice was the difference in that game, I thought. Um, Tanner Groves fouling out was a killer again. It was one of those games where he just walks out there and they say foul, and he had eight points, five rebounds, and only played 22 minutes in a game that went 45. And you just got to have more out of him than that. I mean, he's just... I continue to maintain he is officiated differently than any other big man in this conference. And not that he doesn't commit some fouls. He does. But he doesn't get on one end what he's called for on the other, on the reg. Yeah, but, and, but credit uh, Sam Godwin. I thought he had a good day, too. Godwin though. did play well. Yeah. He did play well. He does not present part of the problem when they went in the drought is when Tanner's not out there, you do not have to come out on Sam Godwin. That's true. That's true, yeah. And so the lane gets clogged, and where Los and Owe and Jalen and Sherfield and Bamasil are able to drive and get into the paint before when Tanner's out there, you can't as easily when Sam is out there. And I love Sam. He just he's got to work on the outside shot so that teams will respect him. Um, so that didn't help. But Sam did play great. He did. He he battled his heart out. Um, would have loved to have seen him try a three there at the end to win it down two. would have loved it if they could have somehow found a way to wiggle Sherfield free for a shot at it. I, I asked, um, Porter in our post-game interview, the illegal post-game interview that we're not allowed to play on my show, TJ, about <laughs> what he would have liked to have run there at the end. Remember they had no timeouts. And the play was exactly what they ran, which was get the ball to Jalen, aggressively takes it downhill, and then he's got two options when they if if they come to him to stop him, which they did, then he's got two options. He's either got Sam on the dive in the paint. If they cover that up, then the um skip pass on the opposite wing should be open for a three. Well, they didn't leave I think it was Sherfield. They covered him up. They left Sam, and that so he went for the two-point pass there, and it just didn't go. But down two, I was like, man, let's just try to win this thing here, you know. Um, but anyway, it was a great basketball game. Uh, that arena, and it pains everything in me to give a compliment to Texas, TJ. Mm-hmm. That might be the coolest arena I've ever been in in my life of any kind. Because of the video boards or just all around? The, 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 Everything. You, you sent me, and I think you posted it on Twitter, the uh, stage, all right, all right, all right, which I agree with you. That was very clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got credit him on that. It's pretty stage good. Stage left, stage, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so... The video boards are were very cool, r- really amazing. They cover the upper deck. They're projection screens is what they are. And so they will throw up uh, video and graphics on those. 
throughout the game. Super cool. Innovative. I've never seen anything like that. But during a concert, they swing up and they cover the upper. There's an upper seating bowl up there. For example, uh, Bruce Springsteen was there on Thursday. And so it seats 16,000 plus for concerts and stuff. And then they want to keep it intimate and a tough ticket for basketball. They cover them up and it seats about 10-5. And they've sold out every game. So that's really cool. The suites are unlike anything I've seen. There's a variety of them. They've got behind the benches what they call the front porch suites, which I guess McConaughey helped design, where each of the suites kind of looks like you're – there's a back area where the food is and everything, but then the front area where you watch the game kind of looks like the front porch of a house and everybody can kind of stand there and talk to each other across the fences and everything. They've got this giant – Moet Shandon suite at the end. I think it fits 25 people in it. 10,000 bucks a game to rent it out. And you get the entire suite with the 25 tickets. And it's just, it looks like a house in there. The students all get to sit 270 degrees around the court. So on TV, it looks like nothing but students down low. In actuality, behind the TV announcers is... Uh, premium seating so the students go go they wrap around behind the benches and around the ends of the poles so or baskets so no matter which way you're shooting you're looking into the student section that bottom area of students they call the corral seats 1600 students they let them in an hour before the game and they just flood in there i mean it's just uh, they all brought signs about how terrible OU is and they're saying all kinds of vile things and what you would expect out of texas But they have overflow student section at the top of the arena, a standing room only student area up there with their own concession stands and everything where all the extra students, and there's a bunch of them, can stand and watch the game. Um, Oh, what else? I don't know. It's just really, really, the scoreboard is amazing. Um, It's just really nice, man. The underneath, the behind where the, locker rooms and the staging and everything is is i don't think i've ever seen a nicer arena nba or otherwise than that wow yeah it's really really nice look at you loving all up on did you know how this thing was paid for um if i've heard i don't remember some but maybe this listen to this 350 million dollar arena and the school nor the city paid a dime. Well, I take that back. According to the story I read, I think the city had to pay for the utilities to be run to the arena. But that's it. The Moody's, who it's named after, I think it's a foundation, mm-hmm. donated like $120 million to get it named after him, which, that's a junk. The rest of it, however, was completely financed by this company in California. Now, if I give any part of the story wrong and somebody knows, please text me. This is according to the Austin American Statesman article that I read about it. This company in California paid for the entire arena to be built. Not a dime for the university or the city. Wow. They built the whole thing, obviously, Texas and McConaughey helped them design it and everything, but they 
built the whole thing. The university owns it, but this company gives the university 60 dates a year for their basketball games and commencements or volleyball or whatever they want to have in there. UT gets 60 dates a year. This company gets the other 305 dates a year for Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen and Lady Adam, Gaga. Adam Sandler was there last week, I think. Everybody else that wants to come through. Mm-hmm. It's Austin. It's the biggest arena in town. They keep that thing packed with, you know, everybody wants to play Austin, right? So it's a concert facility for this company. They get all of the pros, all of the profits from concessions, ticket sales, everything for 10 years. This company does. And then after 10 years, they go into some sort of a profit sharing model, which I don't know what the percentages are with the university. That's actually pretty cool. Joe, get their number, man. Well, unfortunately, Norman's not Austin when it comes to the music scene, and you've got the Paycom Paycom Arena right there. Up the road, I know. So you couldn't necessarily do that because Springsteen's not playing Norman if he's playing Oklahoma City or Tulsa. So I think you could have the size of Arena, and what they're talking about is that's in between Paycom and a casino that would attract a certain level of artist. Right. Um, you know, a 10,000-seat arena, 8,000-seat mm-hmm. arena. That's kind of in that middle level there. But, I mean, it's just Austin is in, you know, it's got n- no competition around. It's known as one of the music capitals of the United States. And so this company's like, yeah, we'll just build you an arena, state of the art. You could play here if you want. Then the rest of the time, we're going to profit off of all the concerts we bring in. Not everybody. bad. Not bad. Not win, amazing. win for everybody. The school, the city. Yeah. The company, probably. Yeah. Now, compared to the Frank Irwin Center, which was an absolute dumpster fire, it's, I mean, they couldn't have gone from one extreme to the other more. It's really, really nice. And you know, if you listen to the show, and my contempt for TJ even going to the Longhorn Steakhouse, <laughs> how much that pains me. I went in looking for problems to make fun of, and I don't know, man. It made me it made me very jealous. And I, I, Oklahoma took a significant chunk of uh, their administration down there. Joe Joe was there, and several other marketing people and administrators to kind of look at the thing, and so. Anyway, we got to figure something out, TJ, arena-wise. It's it's hard to believe that an athlete that OU and a basketball player that OU and Texas are both recruiting is going to go to both arenas and go, <laughs> yeah, I'll go to Norman. <laughs> you know, unless they've got some sort of an OU connection. I mean, it's just, it's not everything, but it's a major. You walk into that place and you're like, wow. It just wows you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Seven eighteen in the morning. We'll take a quick break. Well, you and some... I will contribute the one hundred and twenty million. Get it named after us, and then we've got to find the company to come up with the rest. How about that? Boy, I like that idea a lot. Now we just got to figure out where we're going to get the hundred and twenty million. Yeah, maybe we could crowdsource our listeners. <laughs> We'll name it after all of our listeners that donate. That'd be great. We'll be back. T-Row and TJ, they cold.
This is the T-Row in the Morning Show. Riverwind Casino brings you the T-Row in the Morning Show each and every day right here on The Ref. OKC's number one gaming destination. Check out Riverwind's new gaming areas during the remodel. New areas like the uh, River Lounge, the Sky Bridge. They've got some gaming set up, 378 games in a non-smoking area. Da, 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 the Showcase Theater, da-da-da-da-da. Concerts return there in the summer of 23. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Good. That's good. That's a good thing. Uh, I did not realize Bobby and B.A.'s uh, text went on uh, when he said what the H-E double hockey sticks is going on. Patty lost to Texas, OSU, and now Baylor in 12 months. She has to go. All right. Let's yeah. give Patty a break, everyone. <laughs> so there's going to be some softball fans Patty, out there who are going to think in. you're being serious. Patty, if you're tuning in, I think it. everybody's just teasing you. Patty, they're just they're teasing you. Yeah. Uh, did we just lose a series to a technical college? California Baptist looks like it's going to be a long season. No offense. Well, we haven't talked baseball yet. Do you want to save it till the next segment, or do you want to talk baseball now? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Either way, whichever okay. you would like. Okay, go on. You were there yesterday. I, maybe you were there more than yesterday. Was that? Did you catch more? That was than my one first game, game yesterday. Okay. Uh, I knew you would be there. You, and you I paid attention to... all weekend. I watched a uh, bit, both so... the other games. Yeah. You know, tell me, um, tell me about uh, the opening. Sooners dropped two of three. They won the opener five to two. Lost Saturday five to two. Lost Sunday six to three. Disappointing to lose that series. Obviously, I'm not going to lie and say that they. Uh, it's no big deal, but um, sloppy, just kind of sloppy at times. Uh, you know, some of the defense not quite there yet. They had some mistakes there with you know some throws over to first that got away and didn't take advantage of. Uh, once guys were on, especially Friday. Friday, I thought they could really open that game up, and they just were never able to. Just never got the bats going all weekend yet. I think some of that will come. Um, but there were some flashes of some really nice things. Um, defensively, at times, things looked really good. And then you would see, like yesterday, when uh, the shot to third. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tough play, but you can't just let that go past you without getting a glove or anything on it. So... Um, I thought things could have been a lot better with pitching at certain times. Um, you get up on, in a count and you have a guy down 0-2, you don't want to groove one to him. That happened a few times. Um, as I, the, the Yardbirds hate it when you're up 0-2 and give up a hit. <laughs> they do. Not do yeah. too. I do too. Uh, anyway, I, I, I thought there was – I thought it was just a sloppy opening weekend play is kind of how I looked at it. And I think some things will get better. You saw um, with Harris there at shortstop, you saw some really nice things. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that happened throughout that course of that weekend. But I thought Friday kind of set the tone a little bit in. I really thought they were going to open some things up and really get rolling and really feel confident about themselves, and they just never could quite open it up. And I thought it just kind of carried throughout the weekend on them. Left a lot of guys on Left base. Left a lot of guys on base, yeah. And their run game and some of the things that they're going to want to do just never got going. They immediately opened that game Friday and, you know, uh, go for the steal, get thrown out. And it just kind of was um, 
anyway, I thought that first game kind of set the tone offensively for them all weekend, and they just never got going. Yeah, four stolen bases, which for them is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of, like, I don't, yesterday you don't look at a lot of times and say, boy, I thought they would steal there. They just didn't have a lot of opportunities. Just didn't have the opportunities, right, yeah. Uh, the right guys, you know, Wallace was on one time, but he's not a guy you're going to run with that much. And um, so, yeah, the chaos never quite got going. I, that will. Uh, as I mentioned during the broadcast yesterday, if you remember back to last year, it was a really slow offensive start. Uh, first 10 games, OU went 5-5 five and five last year, averaged three and a half runs a game, and looked anemic offensively. And then it clicked. So way too early, in my opinion, to I, – because I think they got a lot of speed – not a lot of pop, I don't think, but a lot of speed in this lineup. So that, I think, will happen. I mean, we know Reggie enough to know they're going to force the issue. There was one time yesterday where I thought if Van Hook is coaching third, he would have sent, I uh, can't remember who was running. It was a tie game late. Let me look up my book real fast, if you remember. Yeah, this. I remember it, and he held him up because I thought mm-hmm. he should have sent him to. I can't remember who that was, though. And they ended up stranded. It on. was Madrin. Okay. They had two on and with one out, and Dakota Harris got a base hit. And he held Madrin at third to load the bases with one out, and then they didn't score. They didn't him. score, yeah. And that is a situation where last year they were ultra, ultra aggressive at every opportunity. And they got thrown out at times, but they made it pay way more often than not. They just kept putting the pressure on opposing defenses to make them throw them out. And who knows, maybe you maybe you get thrown out at home there, but if you take the lead, then the pressure shifts back to them and maybe you win the game. So Rayleigh's coaching third now, and maybe that's just a situation where he's either a little more conservative or maybe – you know, that's a situation he and Reggie talk about after the game. Listen, man, I know that that's probably the proper baseball play, but our style is to always err on the side of aggressive. That's what we saw out of him last year. And that was a bit of a conservative move. Um, But I think, you know, it's way too early to judge the sticks. Yeah. I mean, guys are nervous and played in their first game and first games at OU and they're the, just that went to the – college world series championship series and you got a couple of freshmen in the lineup and you got to give them time Aaron pitching Cal- wise i was gonna go say yeah i was gonna say aaron calhoun friday looked like whoa look at this and then yeah. didn't look so good yesterday so no. kind of an up and down weekend for him and um starting wise i thought friday and saturday um pretty good and then i didn't get to see much of will karsten what'd you think about him um i thought he pitched pretty well so, yeah. yeah, I thought Friday and Saturday uh, they Kel got Davis nice starts. Kel solid. Davis was solid. Yeah, so. Um, Even doubt that yesterday was was pretty solid. He just got his pitch count up high. Right? Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what I did notice, and I, I mentioned this yesterday too. And we haven't seen everybody yet. But there doesn't appear to be the fireballers on this squad. We probably took it for granted last year. That there was a whole bunch of guys that could throw 95 to 100 miles an hour on that team. 
you know, Cade Horton, David Sandlin, Trevin Michael, even Jake Bennett could get it up there pretty good. Uh, Jarrett Godman was a mid-90s guy. I'm not sure I saw a pitch over 92 all weekend. Maybe somebody touched 93. This does. There doesn't appear to be the same velocity, and you don't have to throw hard to get guys out. Don't get me wrong. I just, I just kind of kept waiting for them to bring in the guy that, you know, who's the Damian Magnifico that throws it really hard but is a little wild. So far, I haven't seen that. Now, Jamie Hit didn't pitch this weekend. I think he's got a little bit of velo. We'll, I think we'll see him against Ryder next weekend. He was battling a little bit of tendonitis. And there's uh, a few guys we haven't seen yet that I, th- I think the uh, gray, um, oh, the TCU transfer, what's his last? There are a couple of guys that are uh, named gray on this team. Well, there's gray, gray Harrison who got the loss on, what was that, Saturday? Gray Thomas. Gray Thomas, yeah. Gray Thomas, I think, gets it up there pretty good, and we haven't seen him yet. But, um, again, all that's got to work itself out. They're still in line, TJ, to do what I think both of us predicted they would do on Friday, which is go 53-3. and (laughs) Got a little bit more work cut out. They've only lost two games, so it's easily still attainable. And I'll be very intrigued to see who starts today. Uh, Air Force lost two of three in their opening weekend to Army, but we know they're a good team. And um, I think he, I know he would like to, at least the plan was to pitch Braden Carmichael in Arlington on Wednesday. So does, since they're off to a one and two start, does he bump him up and pitch him today? Or does he go with uh, the big youngster, Julian Hackam, who is a six foot seven lefty that um, we haven't seen him yet? I don't know. Maybe we can get an answer before the end of the show, but. Um, I, I like what I see from some of the young guys, even yeah. though they didn't have a good big weekend. Like Madrin, Anthony McKenzie, Madrin. Yeah. yeah, there were there were some guys that that showed you good things. Dakota Harris. Rocco's got a really nice swing. Mm-hmm. Dakota Harris has a good swing and played a great shortstop. I'm sure the world is spinning really fast for Easton Carmichael. I was, right I was now. about to mention him. He he didn't hit, but you know I thought he did pretty well behind the plate. Yeah. So. He's going to be a ball player. I mean, you yeah. can just tell. Like, he's got the size and everything about him that he's going to be really, really good. Just got to relax a little bit at the plate. But I think Skip told us on the show, he's like, I'm just telling him, worry about defense. Worry about, don't even worry about at the plate right now. You just worry about that pitching staff out there. And Spikerman didn't hit well over the weekend, mm-hmm. but he'll get I'm not worried about him. He'll get it going, but he had a pretty rough weekend at the plate. Yeah. So you are giving up on him, not giving up on him after Not giving up quite yet. Not giving up. No, no. We'll we'll give him through Wednesday in Globe Life, and then we'll see. We'll reevaluate on Thursday. They need to win the next five in a row. Yes. Six in a row. Six in a row. I would think so, yeah. Going into – it would be nice if they could win the next six in a row going into Frisco. Air Force, Abilene Christian, three against Ryder, and then UTA. Be, I mean, that's a big ask because you never know in baseball, but that'd be nice. 7.34, we'll hear what Skip Johnson said post game next. 
The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. If you're just joining us, I'm a massive loser. TJ celebrated the Texas victory Saturday by going to Longhorn Steakhouse after the game. There was no celebration for that. I don't know how else you could read it other than that. Uh, Here's what Skip Johnson said on the radio broadcast after yesterday's game. We just didn't execute when we had to execute. When we had a chance to uh, separate the game there, we didn't execute, and they did. And that's basically what baseball does to you. What did you think about Braxton Douthat in his start today? I thought he was, you know, he was just okay. I mean, it was, uh, he made some pitches when he had to. Uh, you know, uh, the one inning they scored two, shoot, maybe wrote a double play, and that happens. I mean, we got to continue to, to work, and, and uh, I thought he was himself. Uh, he kind of settled in. First inning was really good, kind of settled in, and uh, uh, located some pitches when he had to. I don't know what was said there when the teams came together, but Aaron Weber gave you an impressive inning of relief work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a, a thing when ha- when the game's got going on, the firing, they're running their mouths and stuff like that, and and that that happens. I mean, we just got to be playing for the national championship, and they come in our park and beat us, and uh, they start running their mouths, and and we're going to be the hunted, and that's going to happen all year, and we're going to have to get used to it. Not the start I know you wanted, but what will you tell the team after this one? That don't define who we are. We got to talk about winning pitches. Coach, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. They come in here not, running their mouths. Not in a talkative <laughs> mood. <laughs> <laughs> I love baseball so much. They come in here running their mouths. They did, man. I mean, give them credit for winning, but, man, Cal Baptist was talking. They were they? chirping. They were chirping a lot on Sunday. So Feeling um, themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you said, they they brought a nice group of people for – to be Cal Baptist and that far of a distance, there was there was a nice. Uh, Here's what I think it was. Nice little section over there for them. I'm I'm calling a little bit of shenanigans here. You remember we had Gary Adcock on, their head coach on Friday. His mother Connie was coming from Chickasha to watch with other family, yeah. And she's a big OSU fan. Mm-hmm. Remember because he they're playing OSU Tuesday and he didn't know who mom was going to cheer for. Right. I think Connie gathered up all the OSU fans she knows in Chickasha and said, I'll buy you blue T-shirts if you come root for Cal Baptist with me. So I think that was really a bunch of OSU fans. Uh, you could be on to something there because I was quite I was surprised about the amount of people, but I didn't think of the local tie with family. So you're probably – that would explain the biker-looking dude too. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> just see he looked more like an OSU, more fan, like an than OSU fan than a Cal Baptist <laughs> fan. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was funny. I was shocked. The, not that they lost the game, but the amount of garbage that Cal Baptist was talking. Yeah, was. they they were loud. And I mean, the they were flip, they were loud. Next to Rock Regio, that's the biggest bat flip I think I've seen in person by an opponent. Regio hit one off of. Kate Horton last year in Stillwater, and that bat still hasn't landed. <laughs> the dude yesterday hit a bomb, and it was a bomb. 
And then he, what was the Toronto Blue Jay, Batista? Uh, yeah, Jose Bautista. Jose, he went Jose Bautista on that thing. Woo! Just 25 feet in the air, man. That was impressive. But, like, in college, what are you going to do about it, you know? Hey, um, what do you think about the little uh, little pitch caller things in the back pocket? So, it drove me crazy. I mm-hmm. immediately on Friday was texting some people that knew at the ballpark, and I'm like, this is driving me nuts. It, I, I don't know. It, I could not get past reaching in the pocket, pulling a, a uh, you know, is it a card? What is it in there? Is it digital? We yes. were trying to figure it out. It's digital, right? Yeah, thanks and, for listening. Um, it well, no, is... I wasn't listening. And uh, obviously a couple of people listening didn't hear you say it either because they were asking. They're like, is that digital? Is Skip putting in a number? And then we'd watch Skip and we're like, yeah, he's punching in a number. So we were trying to figure out exactly how it was working. So it's somewhere between a pager and a cell phone, but it is a digital device. It's about, I would say, an inch and a half tall and maybe like three inches wide. Side of a business card, probably. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Size of a business card. But it's a digital device. It's got a screen on it. And Skip has an iPad in the dugout. And that iPad has an array of selections on it. There's a column he showed me yesterday before the game. There's a column that has the kind of pitch. So he could click fastball, curveball, slider, change up. And then a, another column that has location. So he'll punch fastball away, and that will show up on the little digital screen, fastball away. There are other options, too, like uh, pick off, hold, uh, step off, you know, just different things besides kind of pitches that um, he could choose. But So he'll quickly punch in what he wants. That little device in their back pocket shows it to him, and then they put it. He's got one. The catcher's got one on his wrist, mm-hmm. and the second baseman and shortstop both have one. Um, eventually, everybody can have it if they want it. But right now, that's the they've got. Those are the four people on the field that know what pitch is being called. There is like with the catcher, you can wear it as a wristband. I think one of the pitchers this weekend had it as a wristband. Will Karsten did. Okay, yeah, yeah. Most He said about 75% of our pitchers don't like the way it feels on their arm, so they elect to keep it in their back pocket. But if you notice, I think Jackson Nicholas had it on his wrist. I think Dakota Harris did too. I can't remember. But it fits into a wristband. It kind of clicks in there Right. if you choose to do that instead. That's not the only thing they do. I mean, they've got the walkie-talkies. One of the pitchers this weekend, and I don't remember which one it was, out of the bullpen, forgot his device. So they went walkie-talkie with him. Uh, And they've also got, like, different colored cards if they want to send them in manually to the catcher, uh, whatever. But that's what was going on with the back pocket. Yeah, I, I just it's something that I wasn't used to, and it it really bothered me on Friday. By the end of the weekend, I was a little more used to it, but I, I don't know. I was I was screaming at my television, just pitch. Like, don't even look at the card. I don't care what Skip has to say. Just go pitch. So, it, it bothered me on Friday. I'll I'll admit it. It um. 
It's just the like the visual watching them constantly yes. digging into their back pocket. Right, right. If it was on their wrist and they just kind of looking at it, I think that would be different. That's why Saturday it didn't I it didn't bother me as much because he was he was just glancing down at the wrist. I did that that seemed more natural to me than the reach around to the back pocket, pull out a card, look at it, put it back into the pocket, then go throw your pitch. So you could I wonder if you wanted to just not have the pitcher have to worry about any of it. You could signal it into Easton, and then have him drop a sign. But if you got a guy on second base or the game's being televised, you got to worry about people watching monitors and all that kind of stuff. But it would take the element. I know what they're trying to do. You got 20 seconds now, and so they're trying to as quickly as possible get the call to the pitcher so that he can gather himself and throw the pitch and it not all be a rushed process if it takes you 10 of those 20 seconds to get the call to the mound then the pitcher's feeling rushed and all that kind of stuff so i get it but i, it I is, get it yeah and it is cool technology it really is that's amazing technology i wonder it too was, if skip panics sometimes and puts in the wrong thing oh crud didn't mean to hit that button he says <laughs> i asked him that i said have you put in the wrong pitch on accident yet this weekend and he goes no Huh. And then after he left, I looked at somebody else, and he kind of said, eh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the three-run shot, I don't know, is what was supposed to be called. I didn't call for a three-run homer. <laughs> right. No, it is interesting. It's just different. And we'll see. We're just one series in. I'm going to guess that that whole process kind of morphs. It'll get fine-tuned, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 The fact that your infielders – and everybody immediately knows the pitch that's called is pretty cool and helpful, I would imagine. But anyway, that was what was going on there. We'll be back. Did you miss one of our shows? Don't beat yourself up because we've made it easy for you to beat that Ref Army FOMO. Catch up on shows and interviews you might have missed with the Ref Podcast page. Just go to KREF.com and click on the podcast page. Or go check out your favorite podcast provider and search for KREF, the home of Sooner fans. Here for you 24-7, 365 at the KRF Podcast page. Riverwind Casino brings you the T-Row in the morning show, OKC's number one gaming destination, the one for entertainment, the one for games, the one for fun, Riverwind Casino. Air Comfort Solutions text line, men's basketball team seems similar to football, can't seem to close out close games, I felt like they couldn't get a 15-point lead, I felt like if they could, couldn't get a 15-point lead, we may not win the whole time. Hate to say it, but seems to be true for both teams. So I did some math this morning. Last year, football, men's basketball, baseball. Football eleven and two, men's basketball nineteen and sixteen, baseball forty-five and twenty-four. They went seventy-five and forty-two combined. Seventy-five and forty-two. Okay. This year, football, men's basketball, baseball, so far it combined 20 wins, 23 losses. That's football not, was one option. game under 6 and 7. Basketball right now, 13 and 14. Baseball, it's early, but they're 1 and 2. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, tough in, year. I think in basketball, five point games, they're 4 and 7. I think they've had 11 games, five points or Three. less. Yeah. 3 and 7. 3 and 7? Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a difference in a season right there. If they can close out, you know, three, four, five more of those games, then you're completely talking a different 
situation. So, Just win the games you're losing, and it would be all better. <laughs> That's right. Why is that so hard? It's not hard to figure out. Springsteen played in Norman in 1978, this texter says. Was that at McCaslin? It was probably McCaslin. McCaslin sure. Fieldhouse has an unbelievable history of artists that have performed there. Beatles like Elvis. And Elvis and... Uh, What's the Beatles? Or am I just making that up? I don't remember the Beatles, but maybe. I know Jimi Hendrix was there. I want to say one of the maybe Nixon spoke there when he was running for president or something. Some presidential candidate spoke there. Yeah, it's a pretty prestigious history. Uh, common trend, Toby's football ba- and basketball teams all sucked it up so far this year. Fire Toby. I don't. That's I not nice. See no other that's way. Not nice. You I agree stop completely. Um, let's see here. Number seventeen has a live arm. Whoever that was, uh, that's Aaron, Aaron Calhoun. Aaron Calhoun, but he didn't look good yesterday. Not as good as he looked Friday, I should say. He's the one that uh, gave up the homer yesterday, mm-hmm. but he was dominant Friday night. Came into the ninth, got the save, and just mowed him down. I think Aaron will be a pivotal piece of their bullpen this year, no doubt. Had a great summer in the Cape. Uh, They need him to be good. Skip has won more games this year than I have in my lifetime, but I hope Diego gets some ABs pretty soon. little surprise, Diego and or Sebastian. Now, Sebastian played a little yesterday. got in yesterday, yeah. Didn't get more PT. I I would be surprised if we don't see a little, you know, shakeup perhaps today just to get some more guys in there. Uh, I heard that the Cal Baptist fans weren't acting like Baptists. You heard right. You heard right. Astonishing, really. Uh, Toby, have any idea how to get tickets for Wednesday's game at Globe Live? Can't find them through the Rangers, etc. I thought it was on the Rangers site. Yeah, I think it's on. uh, uh, You know what? Keep listening during the top of the hour, and I'll double check. But I went to the Globe Live website last night just to double check. By the way, that game is at six o'clock on Wednesday. Not 6.30. I gave you bad information yesterday. 6 o'clock game on. TJ, you need to know this note, too. 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Oh, the change. 5.30 pregame. Oh, yeah. crud. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'll check uh, for tickets on their website. Uh, top of the hour break. It's 8 o'clock.